Thursday the 19th, November, uh, no, December, good Lord, a little month behind in my work, December the 19th of 19, so uh, <laughs> pretty close to the end of the year, there's some kind of numerical uh, coordination going on there, and the reason I said hallelujah is because right before the program started, Roger Sales with you, by the way, Radio Ranch, People's Patriot Network, rah, 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 uh, right before we started the program, I went over and a couple of nice things had happened uh, overnight, and Mr. Darrell, who I expect will be merging in on his new Skype connection here shortly, uh, got his laptop set up evidently and sent me a handshake on Skype, so we're now connected, so that should be interesting. And then uh, as I did that and got ready to start, DP called in, and then uh, I, I had done a Skype update. I went over to the notification thing. They give you these little messages, you know, and I hit it, and it said there's a new Skype update, and Skype will uh, restart automatically after you update it. And I went, well, you know, you get in deep. It's like getting in quicksand here because you're hoping that the update's going to correct what the previous update screwed up. And so you're almost dictated to do the update even though you're reticent to do it because of previous experience, so you dive right into the deep end of the pool and I hit the update button and it said it would restart and it did its update and the damn thing didn't restart. <laughs> I swear these people are unbelievable, man. And so I reached down after a minute and it doesn't restart after 20, 30 seconds. I hit the icon, boom, pops up. Now, DP calls right in and uh, uh, we we chat for a second there and uh uh, uh, laying down the new policies that are having to change daily because of Skype's inadequacies. Okay? Well, mm -hmm. frankly, I mean, yeah. I don't know any other way to put it more truthfully. So then we're right in the middle of the of the intro play, and there, Mr. Alvin Lee, 10 years after, I'd love to change the world. Everywhere, dykes and fairies, freaks and harries, tell me where is sanity. You guys know the routine. And Mr. Chris calls in. And with the experience the last couple of weeks, I hit the button and nothing happens. I got to call him back. Well, I hit the button and he merged right in. Hey, Chris. Wow. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Well, nice to have you back. We missed you yesterday, man. Yes, sir. Well, yesterday was a rather busy and challenging day, but I made it through it okay and uh, glad to be back today. I apologize to the listeners if they were waiting for my update on the points of law that I talked about, but if uh, you want to go that direction later on today, we can. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. I was anxious to start today to see how to deal with the new Skype parameters, and now the Skype parameters changed, evidently. So all I'll know is if any of you call in and we play with this thing and see if they've gotten the problem straightened out and maybe it worked like it did for the last, oh, I don't know, 12 or 13 damn years before Microsoft mm. got their little mitts on it. Um, uh, let's see, uh, yesterday when I was having all that problem, Bob tried to call in two, three times. I couldn't, I couldn't get him back. 
uh, uh, Samuel tried to call in, uh, and I got uh, when somebody dropped off there at the last and gave me an open slot. I called him back, and we got him on. So there was a limitation to five on there yesterday. Whether we'll hit that today or not, quite frankly, you'll just have to go ask Mr. Bill Gates because I don't know. Um, uh, Gary, also not Gary from South Florida, but Gary from the Panhandle, our Canadian that has evidently naturalized now, uh, tried to call a couple of days and I couldn't get him on yesterday. Okay. I couldn't get him back on yesterday. So that kind of stuff is important to me. That's the reason we get together and the whole reason that this whole thing started. And so those kind of things take precedent. We'll see if Microsoft and their ultimate wisdom and soft software engineering genius has fixed some of these damn problems that they've created. Uh, let's see. Otherwise than that, um, watched this morning, the new Max Kaiser, Stacy, uh, episode that's out. It's from Buenos Aires. It's very, very good. Uh, and as somebody who lived down there for almost a decade, um, I thought it was extremely accurate. They do a very nice overview of IMF and the history and what's going on down there and how Bitcoin is really starting to take a grip in, 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 in BA, uh, in Argentina probably, period, in certain uh, areas and circles. Um, but then the second half, they had a very sharp guy. I can't pronounce his last name. I believe he was Italian. Um uh, but he's one of Doug Casey's guys, uh, you know, international financier Doug Casey, one of his uh, protégés, and a young guy, an international man, lives all over the world, lived in like 11 countries or something, uh, quite polished, and uh, uh, a very good overview of the whole situation in the second half. There's somebody who spent a lot of time in Argentina. I thought it was very accurate. One thing that came out of there, as they were talking about the political situation, as the government's changed down there, we've gotten the uh, Macri, the uh, the flunkies guy, neoliberal kind of uh, attitude, and taking all these big IMF loans and this, that, and the other. And basically, it comes out in the interview, and the guy says, well, they pledged Patagonia for it. So that's what I'm hearing. And, of course, we've talked about that on the program. I've been tuned into that. Lord, for almost the whole time, I 10 years when I moved down there, I found out about it because uh, of my connections and my uh, effort to meet a guy that had just popped on the international scene. Many of you will remember his name. I hadn't seen him around in a few years too much. His profile's been kind of low. His periscope's been down. And that name would be Adrian Salbucci. Now, I'll bet some of you remember seeing some of his writings or hearing him interviewed on the numerous shows he was on. Uh, Chris, you remember him? Well, that's, there's a voice. I do recall the name, but I can't say that I have any recollection of the substance. Well, Adrian's a real nice guy. He, he had popped up, I think, first time I saw him was on Rents. I don't remember if Rent if he ran a story or Rents interviewed him. Anyway, when he popped up there, and he says he's from Buenos Aires, but he spoke real good English. And the deal was he's Argentinian, but when he was very young, about four or five, his parents moved to the New York and lived in Queens. So he grew up there and then moved back to BA, and he's in the peripherally in the insurance business down there. Let me turn that volume down so we don't get those things like a giant drum um 
and I saw him pop up, and I was going to BA and uh, for business to go over there to Uruguay to try and set, get some financial stuff straight. And um, I stopped, got a hold of him by email. Well, back then he wasn't very popular because he was just getting started, and he'd answer all his emails. At the point you get inundated, you just it's physically impossible to keep up with all of it at times. For some of those guys that have a real high profile, you can imagine how that is. And so it was the early days. He answered my email. I said, I'm an American. I live out here in Mendoza. And he knew that he, had, he was familiar with the town I lived in. He said, it's a nice little town. And uh, I said, I'm coming through BA. I'd like to meet you. So anyway, we got, we, I did have a, an hour, hour and a half. I got to sit down and show him my stuff. Well, first of all, back then I understood it, but I couldn't explain it very well. And it was real complex. And he didn't understand it. And, but we established a relationship. And Adrian uh, has been, he was trying to basically start a free Argentina. Uh, and um, he hits the same brick walls that most other people do when they try and start one of those movements. But uh, regardless, he, he and I became friends. He had me on, uh, when he started a radio program, he had me on as the first guest that he had on his show, and that's the show that Jack Abercrombie heard and put us back together and is the reason I'm in Ecuador, basically, how we reconnected. And so uh, Adrian had done a lot of research in these areas. He's the first one I ever heard about the, the uh, concept of onerous debt and the case that was won, I believe, at the Hague, World Court or the Hague, and the, the, the World Court is the Hague, whatever. They took it to the top venue in the world and got the first and, to my knowledge, the only judgment on a concept called onerous debt. And that was Ecuador did that, by the way. And so uh, I'm surprised more people aren't using it, to tell you the truth. But regardless, that's the first time I heard about that. And he told me back in those days about what was going on already back then, 10 years ago, in Patagonia. And now today on that Max Kaiser interview, it comes out in public. There have been a few articles on it, but most people don't have any idea of what's going on down there. Uh, I read a, there's, a, there's a, some writer that lives in Chile and that writes for some website. Boy, that's real. <laughs> some writer that works for some website. Couldn't you be a little vague I don't know if I can. Let me see. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, it's, it's a female. And she does great investigative journalism. I'll tell you where I saw the links. That's about the best trail I can put you on. Uh, and that was over on um, Mike Rivera's WhatReallyHappened.com. I haven't been going over there much lately, but I used to go over there every day because he pulls some real good, interesting stories that nobody else does. And this was one of those types of things. And this gal did a extremely in-depth article and research and some stuff I didn't know, some stuff I was already aware of. Um, and there was a couple of things I'm aware of that I don't think were in the article that I got from Adrian Salbucci. But they've been working on this for a long time. And it came out today in this Max Kaiser interview and that guy in the back. And they mentioned, and Max act shocked. They pledged Patagonia. They said it's rumored that they pledged Patagonia for the $55 billion, whatever it was, biggest bailout from the IMF ever loan that they got as this guy Macquarie got elected about four years ago. 
okay, which they're refusing the last tranche of it. The new government won't take the last $11 billion. Um, but I, I know that that's true from everything that I know and what was covered, especially in this story. The guy that is the, uh, the mainstay down there is a Jew named Joe Brown, and he's English. And he used to be George Soros' partner, and he was with him when they broke the Bank of London. Okay, so he's the main guy that settled down there, done all the local political graft, got everybody in his pocket, diverted rivers and and bought all of the electric uh, uh, utilities of, you know, all over the area, owns all the broadcasting facilities, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that operation is down uh, about two hours south of Bariloche in an area, and you can go look this up on the Internet. Now, I can give you some specifics here. You can go look at the area. is stunning. It's called El Bolson, E-L, two words, E-L-B-O-L-S-O-N, El Bolson. A big, a nice lake nestled in the mountains, beautiful southern Argentina. Uh, and south of that, he's captured the water and won't let people on there anymore. And all kinds of stuff down there. Okay, all kinds of shenanigans, all kinds of laws broken, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's over under Bariloche at the bottom of the country. But they've got an airport they built, private airport, that's uh, over on the eastern part of the country is my understanding. I thought it was close to El Bolson, but evidently it's not. It's a ways away. And uh, the this is the information I learned from Adrian Salbucci that was not in this article. Um, there's two airports in Buenos Aires. Now, Buenos Aires is a world-class city, 15-plus million people. Anything that comes into South America, that's in many instances the, the port of entry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's two airports. The old one is a domestic airport and it's like real close to downtown and you fly right over Buenos Aires and you land right next. It's placed over by the big river, uh, river de la Plata. We've talked about that river mouth as it on, on downstream is the biggest river mouth in the world. It's 250 miles between Argentina and Uruguay. Okay. And it's real muddy. And so, um, uh, at that airport is called Aeroporte and Aeroporte is right next to the runways or right next to the river there, a little bit out of town, close to downtown Buenos Aires. The international airport is called Aziza, E-Z-I-Z-A, Aziza. And it's about, <laughs> it's about a $50 cab ride one way out of town. Dollar, not peso, dollar cab ride each way so pain in the butt uh but that's the international airport evidently before they built aziza aeroporte handled all the international traffic and the point i'm trying to get to is the length of the runways so you can imagine that the length of the runways at aeroporte the old airport that used to handle that traffic are pretty good sized runways you know a little bit of you're in the air force around the air force chris you know a little bit about aviation and daryl sure as hell does i'm surprised he hadn't joined us yet he's probably busy 
Regardless, this private airport they built down there with no customs, no government oversight, or nothing has a, air, a runway longer than the longest runway at Aeroporte Airport in Buenos Aires. You think they might have plans for something down there? Do you? It sounds like they absolutely do. Okay. And so that's just one of the things I've learned, you know, over the years, because I've always been curious because the Patagonia they're talking about, I was living right up in the northern fringes of it. Where I lived is in the northern fringes, if you look at the map, shaded right there in the northern part of Patagonia. It wasn't as like the southern part by any means, but that's a lot of ground down there. And because I was basically fighting these guys when I moved down there, I'm thinking, hell, they're moving in as my neighbors to the south. Well, that's exactly what's happening. And, of course, part of the reasons for that, if you go back to Theodore Herzl's book on Zionism, the first, the idea, the first time this was published and pontificated in written form, he said there's only two places in the world that are suited for us, either the Middle East or Patagonia. Okay, So uh, it's uh, right in line and right in step, and that was very interesting today. And I was maybe even mildly pleasantly shocked to see that comment come up on the Max Kaiser interview that they've pledged Patagonia as part of this IMF loan, and of course we know that's how they work. So that's one interesting thing. I'd encourage everybody, if you like Max, that's a particularly good episode, and I thought virtually everything they talked about was spot on. Now the one thing that he didn't bring up, and of course because I live there, I don't know how much this international Doug Casey guy lives there, uh, during the year, but I lived there continuously for nine years and I, you know, knew local people and all that stuff. And I got a lot of that kind of information you get from living there in a spot. When I was there, there's a group of people that are left over generationally from when the Rothschilds built all these railroads all over the world. And there was a number of people there that were a generation, three generations away from that, that were Scottish, okay, in the area that I lived in particularly. And so they went down there, helped build the railroad, fell in love with it, had a chance to get a whole bunch of land for virtually nothing and stayed, okay. And uh, so a lot of those people with their breeding and background and education and family wherewithal more so than the other folks, uh, had become, you know, had, had gotten good jobs and stuff. Well, one of this guy had a big finca, that's farm, had a big farm that was a family farm that got destroyed in a hell of a storm, a 100-year storm that came through there, totally wiped this guy out, his farming anyway. But he was a nice guy, I liked him. He's one of these Anglo-Argentinians, spoke, you know, perfect English, perfect Spanish too. Uh, but his job was he was a mining engineer. And what his specific job was with that kind of training was he'd gotten himself hooked up with a dynamite company. And he was the one that went around to the mines that sold the dynamite to the mines. So he had a real good feel. He'd been all over the Andes there. And he told me that only 13% of the Andes had ever been explored for minerals. That was 10 years ago. Okay, and so that no, is shocking that would to be me. A very... Go because Max talks about gold, and one of Argentina's only way to get out of this is through Bitcoin and going back to gold. And evidently, they've got sixty-something tons of gold reserves left that hadn't been stolen. 
But regardless, what were you going to say, Chris? Well, my point is that, you know, you mentioned the Soros connection, and uh, nothing in politics happens by accident, as we well know. Of course not. And that would certainly be a strong motivating force to move into that area for the exploitation oh. of the potential resources, which are very likely contained in the Andes. Oh, it, it, and if only 13%, it could be rare earths, it could be all sorts of precious metals and Maybe even jewels. Not even that. uh, Very uh, well. Not even that. The gas, the gas reserves in southern Argentina are akin to the gas reserves up in Alaska. So they got all that down there, and it's mismanaged and it's not run well. Okay, because of all the different political changes that are all based back in the financial changes, and they go back in this interview and they trace it accurately, although they had previous problems. They trace it accurately to the 1970s, I believe 1976, with Operation Condor and Kissinger coming down and totally taking them and putting the military in charge in both Pinochet, the hard fister over in Chile, and this military junta in Argentina. And that every, all that and all of that stuff goes back to those days, man. And the, who's involved? The same characters, obviously. Anyway, um, the uh, there's some real interesting aspects to the Soros connection because that I got out of reading that it was a very long article uh, and a lot of real good research on it and it pinned it back to a guy in Buenos Aires, uh, a financier guy. His daddy had owned a uh, a Jew, of course, uh, owned some sort of a finance company that was running on on three wheels, and and Soros came in and got the son and beefed it up, and now the guy owns virtually the whole country. Obviously, you know how it works, and he and Joe Brown down there in the south are, are of course, both being Soros guys are working right together, and uh, so it's a uh, there was a point I was leading to. Um, that that was also interesting, and it was this couple of things, and the um, so the only a very small percentage of the Andes have been explored. Well, why is that? Isn't that kind of crazy? It sounds nuts, doesn't it? I'm sure it's larger now. There's a couple of gold mines up there. Newmont had a gold mine just up the road from us, about a hundred miles or so north of Mendoza, and they were having to close it when the price of gold suppressed so low. The mine. Couldn't couldn't make a profit, and they laid everybody off and closed the gold mine. There's so there's gold up there, but the incident I wanted to tell you about. By the way, the reason it hadn't been explored, you got to guess, Chris. We've talked about it before. I suppose it would be the political climate down there. The environment is very dangerous. Well, it's legal based, and it is that mineral rights don't run with the land. The government owns all mineral rights. Um. So, good law of the city there for you, Bob. So, the other thing that happened that was very interesting to me, down south of it, and it's called Nick, Nick Wynn, it's, that's the gas and oil area, kind of directly south of where I was. And uh, one of my other friends there that's one of these uh, 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 Anglo-Argentinians, he and I are real good friends still, and uh, old big family home, and he'd gotten into financial trouble and trying to figure out how he's going to make it all work, and he turned it into a uh, bed and breakfast. And it's a beautiful old home, 100 years old and stuff. You can 
uh, you can look at it on the web. I believe it's Los Andes, L-O-S-A-N-D-E-S.com. And uh, so his name's Michael. And Michael had an English guy that came and stayed a couple of days with him there at his bed and breakfast. And he's the one that told me this story. And it was down there south in Nguyen. It's N-Y-G-U-E-N or something. Uh, and down there, he had worked with a company that is a metals company out of England. And he said, was telling Mike, he said, man, we have found a literal mountain of silver. And because the government owns the lands, then they cut the deals on the royalties with the company they're going to license to mine it. And he said, we could not come to a suitable deal with the government down there. So we're walking away until the price of silver goes up. But that's the lay of the land down there, and it's super rich with all kinds of resources and natural, marine, uh, you name it. You know, it's down there where the penguins walk up on the beach. In the summers, uh, it, way down south, what's the name of the place? Uh, because my friend married a girl from down there and lived down there a couple of years. Name will come to me in a second. It's like with the... Not the Ashawa, which is way, way down south, but it's over on the Atlantic side. And during the summer, it's a huge tourist area because the whales breed. And you can go out and see the whales all over the place. And the the orcas are all over the place. And the penguins, the orcas are there for the penguins. And the penguins come up, and then they march. There's desert, literally desert. And the penguins march from the ocean up into the desert to breed. And you can get on the beach, and the penguins will walk right past you, man. And it's, it's real windy down there. Uh, anyway, that's a little background on Argentina, kind of revolving around the Max Kaiser uh, interview with Stacy. His latest episode came out this morning. I noticed it was also, if you've got any friends that are Spanish uh, that are tuned into this, he also has the Spanish version, uh, a version, the f- Spanish version, the Spanish version up right behind that one. We've got to stop it with those oxymorons. Uh, and, uh, uh, so anyway, the Spanish version is up there if you want to pass it around to folks that are interested. Anyway, that was one good one. And then right after that, and I finished that this morning. I was pretty excited about it, obviously. Brought back a lot of memories and a lot of thoughts. Uh, right after that, I, f- I fell on the most unlikely of interviews, which I'm about 40-something minutes into a two over a two-hour interview here this morning. I got in before the show. Jim Willie, who our old buddy we've talked about, listened to, all that stuff for years. Jim Willie on Bitcoin Ben's show, the ex-truck driver that kind of stutters, has a spe- little bit of a speech impediment. And that one's real interesting to this point. There's been some in- interesting things brought up in that already this morning and what's going on in the realities of this bond repo market and, and a lot of other things. So they're just getting started. It's a long interview. Otherwise than that, I guess hey, everybody right. wants to call. I can see if we can merge people in and let me test out the system. But Chris obviously has something on his mind. What, what, what you got, bro? Well, Roger, you know, I've been involved in this stuff for quite a long time, not quite as long as you, but been in a suit for quite a while. And it's my contention that when we look at George Soros and Henry Kissinger and some of the others of this ultra-deep state criminal cabal, which obviously has to have 
Mossad, Mossad Israeli 6, MI6, and CIA connections, else they would have been obliterated from the planet for their economic and currency war terrorism and destroying of empires and putting in their puppet governments around the world uh, for as long as I've been alive. And I think you've reached long the jitterbug voicemail on, for five, three, zero, three, one, <laughs> seven, eight, 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 zero. I'm having to explore. Well, I'm having to explore my Skype limitations. Samuel called in. I could not. Now I can't merge yet to another phone call in. So I was trying to very seamlessly, politely, responsibly call him back, and you heard I got the answering machine. So all right, Samuel, I'm gonna try and I merge in, and it doesn't merge in. You don't join us. So now stay off. Be ready to answer the phone when I call back. So let's see if this works again. Usually on the second try, it happens. Let's see. Let's while you're doing that stuff, Roger, yeah, a couple yeah, right. of other uh, interesting connections Hello? to the Well, there you go. See? Go ahead, Samuel. We'll uh, get to you in a second, buddy. Thanks for persevering. Go ahead, Chris. Well, and I was going to tie to Soros and Kissinger and, of course, the Clinton gang. you got Mossad Mitt Romney uh, going back. He's a bad man for Mossad, for sure, uh, working for Rit Gadiesh. Uh, from the Bain Capital Connection, who hired him there in the first place, and has been for a long time. Of course, he poses like Harry Reid as a Mormon, wearing the cloak of Mormonism to give him a guise of not being connected to the, our friends in the desert. <clears throat> and uh, But these are very, very, I mean, there's obviously several of them deeply embedded in the so-called Republican Party. Oh. They're pretty bald-faced and out spoken and in the front in the Democrats, but these imposter conservatives masquerading as Republicans uh, are a very dangerous breed, mate. So what you want to be? I say they're both. Uh, uh, I say they're both dangerous. They're Bo and put another another stake on the Barbie for me. Uh, it's um, it's unbelievable. The other thing I was going to say, uh, and I. Dead gummit! You get so many things going in my mind, I lose these things. It'll come back to me. Let's check with Samuel because he got in yesterday, right at the end of this fiasco. We have yet to 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 discover if we're limited to five callers. We'll find out as we go forward, maybe. Hey, Samuel. Hi, Roger. I uh, I was listening to Rick Wilds last night. There was something that he said that I didn't know about the uh, vote in the Senate. You know, two-thirds means two-thirds of the ones present. So maybe Pelosi's delaying this so she could put the Epstein on about 20 uh, Republican senators and uh, have them not show up. That's how they got the Federal Reserve Act through. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So... Oh, Anyways, uh, yeah, they used uh, to see that. They used the same old tactics, man, over and over and over again. Very few times they come up with something totally new. Yeah, I didn't know that it was on presence, not um, not on the full Senate. Well, anyway, that's why um, I guess they come uh, yank something. They, that when there's a vote, I'm they sorry. come yank that guy that's being interviewed. He's got to be go in there for a vote. Well, you know, it's very clear to me, Samuel and Roger, 
that the Democrats have been uh, doing their homework very, very strongly and have been journalizing since way back when, and they've made a playbook, a template, uh, probably tabbed and referenced and cross-referenced of the dirty tricks they can use to get these things too, like the Brenton Woods Agreement or the uh, secrets of the Federal Reserve and Jekyll Island or uh, the rap now Nancy Pelucifer is telling us, or Pelosi if you like that better, uh, obviously uh, demon bride of Satan at the very least, and she has obviously flipped her wig out. You know, they, they she hasn't got everybody on board, quite a few of them, uh, no vote or present uh, votes, uh, stuff like that. Uh, it's just telling the wheels will come off and she doesn't have the support. And, of course, like Samuel said, she'll be using her shillelagh and bribes and threats and other terrorist coercion tactics to get everybody to get on board with it. Well, they got on board last night and voted two articles of impeachment that she's dragging her feet on moving to the Senate because they're trying to finally come into their senses of what even people like she initially said, don't do this. Her political instincts told her it was a bad move. And they have, uh, they've uh, pooped in the buckwheat, as far as I can tell. I think that what's going to happen to them in November is going to be very similar to what happened last week in England. Roger, what I'm saying is that she's maybe delaying this so she can be go behind the scenes, give her some time to get the blackmailing done. There, well, there's no charges. Senators, not there, well, there's no there's no charges that are legitimate. Co- uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, some con- <laughs> uh, well, no, it does matter because she, I, you know, it. But don't forget, <laughs> impeachment means being charged. The trial is in the Senate, and it ain't going to be a kangaroo thing like it shouldn't have been in the House. They wouldn't. They changed the rules. They wouldn't let them bring forth any witnesses. They greased the skids and ran that thing up to the Senate. Well, it ain't going to work like that over there. I hope you're right. Because the Democrats are not in charge in the Senate. The Republicans are. The Dems are the minority. So no, it ain't gonna go anywhere. That's why that's why she's dragging her feet this morning on getting those things over to the house. Uh, they've gone. They've gotten a lot of political damage, man. All of the Russia phobia that's now come out as total BS, lies behind the scene, FBI tampering, etc. Even the FISA courts. You know, the FBI was trying to just slough off and kind of let it fall on the FISA court, and the FISA court says, "Hey, we're going to have to question every warrant that's been applied for by the FBI now." You know, so they're going back and throwing the monkey where the monkey needs to be. And uh, uh, all that stuff, after all this wasted time, effort, energy, and Trump's accomplishing things for the average people. And it's going to be, they've signed their own death warrant, really. Don't forget their attorneys. They're all actors, so they can play their part, make it look like they're on the light side, the left side, this mm-hmm. side, like uh, O'Connell's got taking a hard stance. Well, you know, if he <laughs> slips under the bridge like uh, uh, some of these other guys did on votes, like the head of the Supreme Court and... You know, um, all of a sudden, uh, you know. I try not to spend too much time on it here on the show or even personally other than what kind of what's going on and getting a good feel, a lay of the land, if you will. 
on the players I and agree. maybe what the issues are. I don't get sucked into it. Um, but, but, but it, you, you do want to follow it because it plays into the scheme, you know, and the big picture of how the decisions that we got to make down the line. And, uh, so it's something you need to know about. Um, what else? There was something nagging. You know, I, there was something I had nagging something me. funny. That, oh. I have something to funny to pass on. Okay, I laughed ahead. and laughed throughout this. Um, it's a, a comedian by the name of Jimmy Dore. Oh, D-O-R-E. yeah. D-O-R-E. Right. He uh, is interviewing Chris Wallace, uh, or he, he's commenting on the Chris Wallace destroys Comey's lies about the FBI, the Fox News Sunday and it's on YouTube. Uh, it's hilarious. I mean, he just excoriates Cuomo. <laughs> they uh, he needs to Together. be he needs to be worse than excoriated. But yeah, they're, 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 you know who knows whether how much of their comeuppance they'll get. But they're certainly getting muddied and dirtied and exposed. And there's going to be some repercussions down the line. It's going to put Trump in firmly for four more years, and maybe they won't be able to come up with any crap to uh, muddy the water. Although they'll, we know one thing historically, they never stop trying. Well, you know, having some first-party experience with state so-called FISA courts, which I know when the federal government created the states, or many of them, especially the demon-crap-controlled states like Nevada and California, created their own FISA courts within because it's an end-around constitutional protections, and they could do whatever the hell they want to do. Well, I read um, Ms. Connor, Rosemary Connor, the chief judge of the so-called FISA court, which is an inquisitorial star chamber, a cruel trilemma, a synhedron or synhedron, as the case may be, uh, court. It's really a show trial. And when they operate under the pretext that the FBI is really trustworthy and reliable, or the CIA or the NSA or whoever else is coming before them, it's a very dangerous concept for freedom and liberty because I've got some case law that I told you I uh, came across at the Supreme Court here in Nevada last week when I went to a couple of hearings. And when you understand that all of these so-called um, police officers, uh, executive agencies, FDA, APAs, uh, the uh, BLM, these are all assistants to the prosecution. They're sub-prosecutors, if you will. The police on the street, they're not there to protect and serve. They're actually agents of the prosecution on the street doing field interviews. And that's why you really have to be protective, a belligerent claimant to your natural rights, and not give anything up to them without a warrant based upon probable cause of suspicion of a felony crime, which I maintain very clearly as stated in U.S. versus Minker. And so when we understand the true nature of the beast, we think that they're out there protecting you. And there are some, I don't, I don't decry that. There are some out there that really operate in that premise. But many of them know the nature of the beast and understand that they're to develop evidence for the prosecution as co-prosecutors, like they turned my wife into, and it becomes a very, very dangerous for the ill-informed well, that's the and those cor- that are just that's, that's the corrupt the plan, master plan of corrupting the institutions by Pike and Mazzilli or whatever his name was. 
uh, and it, you see it perfectly because it is not to protect and serve anymore. It used to be protect and serve. The old system was like that. But as the, we new transition to the new system, that doesn't apply anymore. They turn it more radical every day, every week, every month, every year. You send the police forces over to Israel to train, and now they're the enforcers, yes, of the new serfs, which only have those kind of protections you alluded to. In theory, they have to let you think you've got them to make the scam work. But it's always oh, slanted against you underneath, and you never understand that in the first paragraph of the charges against you, it says Chris Cave, a resident of, and the presumption rolled from birth to there to that you're behind these bars or your life's close to ruined, certainly taken over by the beast. They also use that dangerous word term person in there that most people oh, don't absolutely. have. They, listen, man, nobody I've ever asked on, in the U.S. ever understood it. Not one person, ever. Okay. Well, well and um, this is the thing. Roger, become, go ahead, Sam. Sam? Roger, I was going to get, um, I, I was hoping to dedicate some time to this. Uh, I've been going through the knothole of life here. It's still getting the splinters out, but, uh, yeah, we've been missing uh, you. You hadn't been but, around for a couple of weeks. I noticed. Yeah. It just, just stupid See, stuff. I you thought know? you, I um, here, here, I was thinking you went and bought a metal detector and you'd made hit your, hit your big vein up there on the Northwest East part of your property. I wish, <laughs> but you know, what I, what I did is I, I take gambles. I, I bought a truck for $300 with uh, 170,000 miles on it. And it's a 1982 pickup, right? I used to do stuff like that. And it isn't a Dodge, is it? <laughs> it's an old Dodson diesel. It's okay. awesome in a lot of little ways, yeah. but it, uh, I, ended, I ended up getting a 160 mile tow anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I want to, a couple of things I wanted to go into. I'm glad you kind of brought it up a little bit, Samuel. Each one of you, really. One of the things I've been doing for the last few weeks is I've always been kind of uh, interested in what I was talking about with you. You know, these people that go out and gold miners and miners and all this stuff is very cool to me. And uh, since I was a kid, I think when I had my first girlfriend, I went to buy her a Christmas present or something, and ended up buying her an opal necklace and that's the first time i ever remember knowing seeing opals and I, i've always been just like many people enchanted by opals they they have an enchanting feature about them and so here about them, yeah well in any kind there's a number of different kinds of opals so about a month or six weeks ago i got stumbled into a a series on YouTube that's about the it's done in Australia. It's about out, opal miners in the outback, and all in different areas they get different qualities of opal. And uh, so I watched the, the all of those series for I don't know a couple of weeks, and it fascinated me. I, it's just a life that's incredible, you know. And then I got into here about two weeks ago into an American series that's about Colorado. And people that are out there looking for gemstones, uh, 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 aquamarines predominantly, topaz, quartz, crystals, all kinds of stuff that are 
fairly accessible up in uh, uh, in the Rockies, uh, and I would assume out in your part of the country too, Samuel. So that was one thing that I wanted to bring up on the show, and I keep meaning to ask Brent if we ever get a Friday with Brent when we're not, you know, talking about other stuff. I'd love to get him to talk about. You know, he started as a gold miner. Did y'all know that? Did you know that, Chris? I I, I did. I didn't know that, but I, I, I've bought the books on, you know, how to see the areas, um, the, the geology stuff, right. uh, some right. of the best books I can get my hands on. But uh, just no time to get out there. And, and i got to buy a really good detector, I think, uh, would help a lot, too. Yes, so. it would. It would. Uh, you probably you got some mine. creeks, though, where you are. You might, just because a second. Because they've outlawed the dredging. Well, okay. They, they've outlawed the dredging. Which, they, so which is good. But you, you can still go get yourself a sluice. You know, they got these little sluices, little portable sluices. Yeah. And you just stick them in, the, in a good part and get a little flow of water over them and go dig stuff and get... Uh, some of those guys, I've seen some of their videos, man, they get incredible amounts. You go out and get to spend the day in that beautiful setting and out in nature and exercising and all that stuff, and you walk away with a little gold at the end of the day. How cool. Yeah, uh, our little uh, downtown uh, Placerville hardware store, it's been there since the beginning of the of the city, which was the the state of the government uh, during the gold uh, find uh, uh-huh. In Coloma, very close to there, uh, their whole little hardware store has a whole section dedicated to gold uh, pans and sluices and all that stuff. Well, Cliff High's projections in his data years ago was there going to be another gold rush that's going to be bigger than the one in the 1800s. And, and uh, uh, so that's going to probably be pretty popular activity, uh, both of those methods. And I think what you can do is combine both of them. And you go around those creeks in the videos, what they do is they go around the creek, see where the river path path has been, and find the curves, because that's where the gold's always deposited. And then they just go up there and dig in the cracks, move some rocks, get some dirt, go down, run it through that sluice. Boom, you know, you get some little bidding. Little yeah, bidding. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool, man. I, I just really enjoy watching those videos. Yes, Chris? Well, you know, yours truly has actually had a six-inch dredge up on Forks of the Salmon River up uh, near Weed, California, in that particular area. Uh, it one of those crooks in the river you talk about, which makes an eddy current, which slows the water down, which lets the heavy metals fall out, and gold being one of the heaviest metals at uh, <clears throat> specific gravity, about between 1.13 or so, uh, is a very heavy metal. And I also swing some metal detectors, including gold bugs, know about the uh, Australian models and, and different uh, Hunter, uh, Garrett and other detectors that they put out there. I've uh, actually found diamond rings with my metal detector, lots of old coins, gold chains, uh, collectible medallions, and, uh, just all kinds of interesting stuff. And like you say, when you're getting out there and it does take some labor. I have recirculating gold sluices, which are a, a gas pump to pump the water across the riffles and then feed the material that we dig where there's no water at and make a recirculating gold sluice. And it's right. pretty technical stuff. Um, you know, the pitch of your uh, riffle box is really important to getting the most gold you can, whether you've got springs that sits on so it makes a vibrating concentrator. There's a lot of things you can do to get every bit of gold that passes across your sluice box uh, 
so that you're not wasting your time and letting precious gold flow off the end of the box. I saw the biggest gold nugget found in the U.S. was found by a guy with a metal detector, and it was just right underneath the dirt. Now, I forget how big that thing is, but it's pretty damn sizable. So, anyway, yeah, they've really got long- a couple of places here where they, they kept some species from the big rush. I mean, there's one in a case uh, south of here. I say the nugget. It's not a nugget. It's a flake. Uh, but the flake is about, oh, I'd say 14 inches in diameter, about maybe 8 inches thick. Oh, my it God. is so beautiful. It's yeah. all this. It looks almost like shale uh, in structure, and all these little layers. And it's all gold flaked, a beautiful piece. It's got a little bit of uh, a quartz in it. I, when I first got in, after I got into this, I couldn't afford gold uh, as I bought silver. Uh, but then when I did get in a situation where I could get a little bit of gold, and the, when you hold that gold coin in your hand, there's just nothing like it. It just feel, it, 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 it's, you can feel its value in the palm of your hand. Because it feels different. And when you spin it on a table and it goes through its motions and goes down to that part, there's no other sound like that. Very cool. They have a pretty big nugget in the golden nugget in a showcase down there. In fact, that nugget has a name. It's called the Welcome Stranger. And I have to know that it's called that because a gold prospector in Australia, I think it was Perth, as I remember, was he'd gone out to gold fields and was coming back, and it was raining, and his wagon got stuck in a rut on the road, and so he had to get his shovel out, and he threw his shovel into the, to dig his way out of the being stuck, and clunk. That's how he found the welcome stranger. Is that right? How what a funny story. Yeah, there's some great stories. I love those opal. As opal mining, man, I mean, those the opal bed, and evidently opals come, there was an inland sea. They've got them up in all over the world, but they're nowhere like uh, in, in Australia. And most of them are in the eastern part of Australia in several different areas, and they produce different kinds of opal. The one of them, black opal, that comes from an area called Lightning Ridge, is 500 times more valuable than gold. And that's the opal that has that black backing that really accentuates the, the, the reflections in the silicone. It was a silicone sea, and as it dried up, there were cracks in the earth, and the, the, the liquid would leach into the cracks and form pockets, and those formed into opals. And so those, uh, those stratas are anywhere from 40 to 60 feet down, uh, 25 meters and whatever. But they drill down in a pilot hole and come up and find where those layers are that, that, that contains the possible opal fissures. And then they go down and start mining. And, man, it's like some of those places down there. The, one, the, the, one, the most famous is a place called Cooper, C-O-B-E-R, Petty. P-E-D-Y, which is a rib aborigine for white man's hole. <laughs> Curiously, just uh, about midways of the here, they have a place that puts out some really high-quality black fire opal that is 
highly desired. Yes. And uh, so it, it, this uh, this used to be an ancient ocean here. Yes. Uh, let's see if the name it was called, Lahont, Lake Lahontan, um, from my Nevada history class going back a number of years. And this this whole area was underwater, and like you say, the deposits in the desert here, the silica, the sand that occurs, and the leach, um, the cemented coagulates, and so on and so forth, it makes it a very interesting geologic area for sure. It is. It's very cool. Those guys go down in those holes, man, and spend all day with these diggers and picks and shovels, and sometimes they have to use dynamite. And But they, they're in this level, and they look on the wall to see when you'd see an opal, you know, and your headlight, boom, and you get those colors that come right out of the wall, and then you go in and chase that that layer as long or as thick as you can get it. And, of course, some of those people are, you know, not overnight. Some people work their whole lives and never hit anything hardly, but some of those people hit those big pockets, man, and they're, they're done, you know. Uh, very interesting to me, always fascinating. Mike Mike Rivero made the comment. He uh, you know he moved from Hawaii to Santa Claus, Indiana. He did, and uh, he found yes, um, and he in his backyard, wherever he is. I guess he's been a bit of a geologist uh, himself in the past, and he I think he he said he found the gemstone trailings and stuff that he found. He thought were I think he said opal. Yeah. Well, there. maybe there is opal in North America. It's all over the world in different areas. Uh, I did not know. When did he make that move? Oh, about, uh, I'd say six weeks ago, something like that. Maybe uh-huh. in two months. Wow. That's interesting. Did he, has he gone into the air uh, on the air on why? Well, he found Hawaii to be too costly and, the crime had gotten pretty significant over there, and somebody stole their car, and so they decided it was time to move to the mainland. I suspect that he had to come to grips with the reality that the radiation from Fukushima was probably having some deleterious effects on everybody's health, and although he would never probably be able to talk about that on the air, I think. I wondered about that after the incident, actually. Interesting. I didn't know he'd moved back. Well, I wish him well. I think he does a real good show. He's got a very good mind, and uh, he works real hard. Part of the death of a thousand cuts. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem amenable to our information and its importance, but that's all right. Um, we know, don't we? Uh, I, I he, had a little addition. To... Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Go ahead. I had a, a little addition to um, yesterday's conversation. Um, yeah. You know, when we're talking about people that we 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 try to get through to, and it's very difficult for us to, you know, I I guess you know Corey's a good example. I hate using him because yeah. I think he's young and he's he's probably going to be better at this than we are ultimately. But well, yeah, and I don't um, want to get I don't want people to get the impression we're picking on him. You know, I can do it because I know him personally. Neither. And, and, but I want to use Absolutely the example not. because the example is such a good teaching example. Go ahead, please. Well, there's a book I read. Now, there's a little warning here in this book. Uh, there's a stage in my life where I sort of went through that New Age um, uh, stuff, you know, Dr. Wayne Dwyer and stuff like that, right? right. 
Um, um, many of us have. Dwyer many of does, us have. Many of us have flirted with that. Go ahead. But I think if you read this book, I'm going to make a recommendation, and you keep the creator in mind when you're reading it. The, there's still a lot of evidence in here about how to get a, a get a bearing on people, where they're at, what they're about. Um, and he actually, it, the the book is called Power Versus Force: The Hidden Determinants of Human Behavior, and it was written by uh, an MD PhD. Um, Hawkins, um, and he was practicing psychology in uh, 1952, and the revised version of this book is about 1995. Um, and it's endorsed by Sam Walton, Lee Iacocca, Mother Teresa. Um, uh, it, it's it, 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 He actually deals with uh, kinesiology a lot in this thing, because the, the, the book makes the claim that you can, you can get a yes or no answer for any question you ask that is verifiably um, and undisputably the right answer. So I'll leave it at that. Repeat uh, that again, Sam, it, a, Samuel. Repeat that again, the synopsis. You, you can get a verifiable yes or no answer to any question that is demom- dis, d- d- demonstrably scientific. Okay, I'll buy that. And um, it, it, it's it, it's a. I'd say some of this book is definitely over my head. I uh, I read it quite a long time ago, and for some reason I'm compelled to reread it. And so I'm going to go back through it myself. But when it comes to the human behavior, it, it there's levels in this book of where a person is at, and one of the lowest levels is fear, right? And he. He puts a judgment uh, scale on there with a number, and then he goes, like, up to love. Well, fear is like 24, and love is 500, whatever, right? And how you get to that transcendental kind of um, uh, Buddha state, right, or Jesus, uh, where, um, I don't know, it's, it, it's sort of hard to explain. Uh, again, I, I, I do have the warning that it is a little bit New Age, probably, but... Uh, Here's a statement at the front of the book. Yes. The skillful skillful are not obvious. They appear to be simple-minded. Those who know this know the pattern of the absolute. To know the pattern is the subtle power. The subtle power moves all things and has no name. Rather esoteric, <laughs> but that's like the lead into the book, right? To get you okay. Let's see what well, he's got to say. <laughs> let me let me let me take my personal experience, and I keep telling you guys this: you're at the front part of your journey, Samuel, as Chris is, and some of you are out there. Some of you are further along than that, such as Daryl. So one of the reasons I love having Daryl on here because I've seen his, he, I've seen him go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Okay, and what that metamorphosis is is you regaining your power, the power they've stolen from you, conditioned that you never had, and then reinforce that with all of the fear-based intimidation that we've all gone through and go through still, still, to this day, to this minute, 
Okay. Chris won't load Skype partially because of that fear. All right. So it's, it's, it's far reaching and it's overriding. And what it is, is fear is nothing but a lack of power. You know, the old anachronym, fantasized experiences appearing real. Well, that's fear. And those are the things, as I've said many times, that stop you from making progress in your life in different areas because you're scared one way or another in some, one, some way, shape, or form. But there, then there comes to an occasion when it's the irresistible object meeting the, you know, immovable object and the irresistible force. And I'll give you a perfect example because I had the same fear for many years and did not want to inter interface with the federal government after my IRS experience. Okay. And we all know why we all know how that is. All right. I'd say we all know, I think that's an overriding statement. That's absolutely true. But when I made the decision and was told to leave the country, I had to confront that. And it was in confronting what I was scared to confront that I found the answer that I'd been looking for for 15 years. And this is the reason we're here today. Okay. Now, that was all a direct result of being fearful. And the answer was hidden from me by my fear. And then I go back to what I picked up listening to Pastor Peters, which is absolutely, totally simple and brilliant and applicable. You serve the one you fear. And what I've come to understand through my part of this journey is that once you get the facts and you get the goods on these guys, that you really defang them. And once you stand up to them with the goods, and especially in a way that they can't overcome, they just go mum and silent and they just fade into the woodwork. And now, all these years later, I feel re-empowered. I'm not scared of anybody. I'm not scared of confronting them. And I'm not scared of telling them any of the stuff I know because I can back it all up. All right? And that is the ultimate B of re-empowerment. And that's where this path will lead you if you follow it. I don't know what twists and turns your path may have that mine didn't, but my experience is a re-empowerment experience. And that's what this does for you. It goes back and gives you the power that God meant for you to have had you not been thrown into this fraudulent scheme and considered in a condition of voluntary servitude, which you've agreed with your whole life. They've asked you time and time again, Absolutely. are you this? Are you this? And you've said yes. What the hell do you expect them to presume? Yeah, because we just don't know the difference to start with. I mean, it, it's it, – it, and we all want this for Corey. That's yeah. all, right? And Corey's just doesn't – he's got the problem, and I, I think about this a lot because I think in some of these answers there may be bigger answers, all right? And we're going to confront this as more and more people want answers. And that he has, does not have the ability as of yet to separate the equivocation. He still thinks there's one system and he can't get in it that there's two and that he's under the one that ain't the one he thinks he's under. Yes. There's a, uh, there's a map of consciousness in this book and it goes from the bottom of the, of the scale of uh, emotion or the human condition to the top. Let me let me cite them. There's about a dozen or more. Um, the lowest on the on the thing: shame, then guilt, apathy, grief, fear, desire, anger, pride, courage, neutrality, sort of in the middle, willingness, acceptance, reason, love, joy, peace, enlightenment. Wow. 
What a trip that was. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting book. Like I said, a little new agey, but I think if you can get the creator in there and where they substitute, you know, um, barriers to it. I, 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 when I read this book the last time, I noticed I marked the crap out of it um, where I said, oh, this is, you know, right, etc. And I, that's why one of the reasons I want to read it again because it's probably 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's probably some good concepts. And I've you changed can, a lot. Well, bring, you, you gather them, you ruminate on them, and bring them back to us. Um, there was sure. one other thing that was mentioned in that Kaiser interview I wanted to pontificate on for a minute. It's kind of interesting. SDRs. What do you know about SDRs? Oh, geez. I, I know that's familiar. Um, uh, Chris, you know anything go about Go ahead, it? Roger. Chris? Uh, I don't guess Chris knows too much about it. Um, first time I ever heard that term... Those three letters put together was back in the very early days of my path in Atlanta when there was a researcher that would come to town. He had a group of students there in town. He's from Colorado, and his name's John Nelson. Does that name ring a bell with you guys, with you, Chris? I know it does with you in some semblance. Absolutely. Samuel, does that ring nope, a bell with me. you? DP? No. Nope. Okay. John Nelson is one of the greatest researchers in the Patriot movement. He's a real, unfortunately for him, a brilliant, brilliant guy. They tried to, they picked him up with a real high IQ when he's young, and they tried to turn him, and he went the other way. And his sister was very bright, too, and she was an attorney in D.C., and I heard they killed her. Uh, supposedly there was a contract out on him. Um, he lived around Durango, Colorado, down there in South Central Colorado, and uh, just an impeccable researcher. But his his drawback was he was a terrible speaker, and uh, it, it just very somebody had all the information, but was very hard to follow. I, I went to a couple of his meetings, um, but he was the first person I ever heard talk about SDRs. Um, SDR stands for Special Drawing Rights. Oh, and yeah. This is okay. the next uh, phase of the fiat debacle that they will move into as another refuge. Before it crashes, they've got it in, in, in operation already, and basically it's a, a fiat pool for the whole world and their currencies are involved and I don't know all the particulars I just kind of know in general what it is but it came up in that interview today uh, with Max and in, in that interview Max and the other gentleman uh, so I thought that was very interesting and I thought it was noteworthy enough to bring up John Nelson's name uh, what's your uh, uh, familiarity with Mr. Nelson and his research Chris there's a very famous case that his uh, info was the backing of there in your town, the Keogh case, I believe it was called, right? Chris? Well, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not familiar with that case and what it says. I'm generally familiar with John Nelson's name, and I, I think he's had some uh, 
inner operations with some of the higher level gold and silver cases here in Las Vegas. That's the key o that, That's the key therein. That's the key o case. Um, he, John, one of his big deals, knowing and understanding all this, and he's the one, you know, we come on here, this piece of information that I've, I've never heard anybody else say outside of this program, and it came from, from his research. So that's the source. You can take it for whatever you want. You can look at current events and see it really pretty much applies is that in the bankruptcy, they took over the treasury and the department of justice and the attorney general and the secretary of the treasury are both paid by the international monetary fund. You want to know why Trump gets so so little cooperation out, out of that and probably the intelligence communities, too, is because they're under the International Monetary Fund. Well, of course, the IMF is the World Bank, and the World Bank is the World Bar, and the World Bar well, is the global well, the IMF, banks. Well, the IMF's the one that's pondering Argentina and uh, a plunder in Argentina and just got a Patagonia. Economic terrorist. Okay. So anyway, that's John Nelson. Uh, the Keogh case was one of his, his big deal was honest money. And out there in Durango at one point, he was really getting the small little town like that. You can have influence like this. But he had almost gotten them a, a large part of the people very aware and using real silver and real money. Okay. And so that... Uh, uh, idea and his teaching spread and it went to a guy over there in Las Vegas who owned a company I believe his name's Kehoe K-E-H-O-E something like that um, and he had a case where he said well alright I'll just pay my employees in gold and then he was because it says right there on the back of the one ounce gold coin $50 so when they did he's paying them in gold <laughs> according to the face value of the, of the medium that the the damn government uh, uh, mints. And they took that to court and it, it, twice, I think, I, they may have finally gotten a victory against him. I don't remember the disposition. I just remember the case and when it was going on. That was back in the late 90s, Chris. Well, you know, federal judges have a propensity and proclivity to make federal favorite rulings, in my experience. They are not fair, neutral, unbiased, and he who uh, receives the food from the king's table owes the king his duty, oh, yeah. and that's who pays the check. And they, I've heard they judges get paid, the federal judges at least, and uh, gold and silver from the IMF. I don't know about that. I had never heard that, but I know they're they're absolutely tied in the system with their pensions and everything else, and they send them a special judicial crash courses before they can go sit on the bench and probably explain all of the parameters of bankruptcy and the effects on it, and they're going to do what they're told. But regardless, you can get out of that system. You don't have to be in it. It's your choice. I know people find that very difficult to believe, but that's the truth. There's two systems, and the other one just, you know, there's a, Cody wants to be a governor up there and run for governor. Well, he's going to run for governor for the state of Illinois, uh, Indiana. Well, what about Indiana State? Why don't you run for government, a governor of Indiana State? All those offices are there. Everything's there. It's just vacant. There's two systems. They're running two systems, and they've hidden one of them, and everybody thinks they're in the original, and they're in the new one. I mean, that's it, it, what has gone on here is simple. Hell, it took me 20-something years to be able to break it down that simply, but that's exactly what's going on. 
Well, you can find support for that in Downs versus Bidwell. Yeah, how you can and find I support? Believe the judge in that case said if this ever takes a hold, it will be a terrible day for liberty in America. What people like have that. a hard time comprehending is that they recognize this. And because people believe them to be all-powerful, and they're not. They can't suspend the laws of gravity, nor can they suspend all these other laws. They can hide them. They can gloss over them. They can veneer them. They can make you think they're not there, but that doesn't do away with them. And they recognize that, and that's a very difficult thing for our people to get through their heads because they've been conditioned so effectively and thoroughly. I would observe you're seeing that play out in the so-called impeachment trial where they're lying their tails off following Joseph Goebel, the third Reichmaster's information czar for Hitler's war machine, and uh, Stalin's mantra that if you tell a lie often enough, some people will begin to believe it. However, they're lying and saying that absolutely irrefutably he's done impeachable offenses when things that they're claiming have no basis in law to be breaking any law anyway. There is no criminal charge for obstruction of Congress or the other nonsense, and he didn't do any embezzlement, he didn't do any foreign influence. The whole thing is to cover up the crime of their team's uh, Vice President Hunter and Joe Biden and CIA Morella and Mitt Romney and uh, Paul Pelosi and all the other criminals of the Democrat Party that really perpetrated this great fraud, hoax, and uh, influence peddling scheme over in Ukraine to line their own pockets and loot the country, and they're trying to blame Trump for it. That's it. Um, Gary is trying to call in, and I'm getting the same kind of problems I had yesterday. We've only got three people here on. Let me try him again. Gary, I'm trying, buddy. Uh, I'm going to add you right now. Let's see if he'll add. Okay, I'm calling him. It works. Uh, sorry, Chris. I, I tell you, I, Microsoft. Uh, I, hello? I, there's Gary right there. Hey, Finally got you on, man. You tried a couple of times, and I couldn't connect with you yesterday. How you doing? Um, I, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, as was the case on my previous calls, but somewhat worse now, my hearing is bad, and I have trouble holding still. And, and I'm agitated, so I apologize in advance. Okay. Um, the reason why I called specifically yesterday, uh, because I wasn't going to call, was the conversation with Paul English, who I've relatively recently become acquainted with, and, and he's a godsend. He's, he's wonderful. Yep. As are so many others. Um, and... and the topic came up, I, I think, about uh, uh, Cody's been a whipping boy, uh, who I don't know, but has been a, a whipping boy for some time. Really? And, and uh, were you going to say something? Well, yeah, but that's okay. Go ahead. I'll add my piece later. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and um, Paul mentioned um, a story about that he had worked for a company uh, uh, that had, and I'm just uh, guessing at it, uh, 280 people, and and when there was oh, yeah. uh, 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 arguments amongst the men, what the manager would do would get the two people who were 
uh, in contention and, and instead of allowing them to backbite, we put them together and let them thrash it out. Right. And, 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 and I think that that's, and what I'm getting at is, is that if something needs to be said about Cody, and instead of talking about him when he's not there to defend himself, it might be good to wait until he gets on because he sounds like he's okay and you seem to think that. What well, more I've, directly... I've thrashed him. Yeah, yeah, you have. I've thrashed him live before. It just doesn't help. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I understand that, <laughs> but I think if it doesn't help, what a re- what... As, as I understand it, the reasonable thing to do is to say, well, hey, Cody, we've tried that, and I think we should put that aside for the time being because right now I'm not getting through. That's reasonable because I've heard those conversations, and I, and I sympathize with your position. I understand that. More directly, um, I sent you an e- I, I, I said that I was exceptionally highly motivated, more motivated than I've been in my entire life, to, to do what you had outlined, and this is after only having heard you a, a very few times. Again, I was direct. Uh, it's because of the, the, having heard Daryl and thought so much of him. Uh, so I made the leap to follow your instructions, even though I'm physically in a real mess. And and uh, I promised you that I would uh, email you with the results, but that I was going to try not to call back because I felt like I was... Uh, 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 one too many cooks spoiling the broth. I, I, I didn't want to be a party pooper. So I sent you an email, and, and in the email I asked you not to share the information politely. And, and then I made some comments about uh, Skype and Microsoft and, and whatnot, which you obviously disagree with. So when, when you uh, brought my name up and, and were um, disparaging, I, that didn't feel good to me, and, that's, and so that's really what precipitates me. Not because I'm angry with you. I think the world of you. I obviously think the world of Daryl, and and I've learned so much from from Chris. So none of this is meant as criticism as such, but just if we're going to be especially men, we should argue with each other when we're present, so to speak, on the line, and not otherwise. Well, Cody's uh, name so came up, and he's such a perfect example, and I know him personally, Gary, or else I wouldn't pick on him like that, okay? And I understand that. All I can tell you is when you brought my name up, I was offended. Well, I'm sorry, and, you know, one of the things is the reason I try and encourage people to call is because I've got pretty bad eyesight and, and reading and stuff and a lot, a, a big, long emails, and not, you're, you're already a bit guilty of this, but other people, they don't know how to format, and they write a, a, whole, a whole paragraph that takes pages, and I just can't read through it. You know, I'm sorry. I, uh, I've, I bet, as far as I'm concerned, that's like is clean. So that, that's, that's my bit. I did, ask, however, ask you something in the email, one line, that's pertinent to what's what's driven me to this point, and that is whether it makes a difference, now that I'm, I've naturalized, does it make a difference what state I apply to, to um, uh, what state I'm no. living in when I make my declaration? And the second thing is, uh, you've mentioned uh, that it's simple. How, how do I find a copy of, of that simple 
affidavits so I can send it in. Because like I say, I'm highly motivated. I was motivated enough um, that that I had committed myself to, to, you know, I haven't traveled more than 50 miles in, in over 15 years. Okay. Wow. I live in, in roughly speaking, Fort Walton Beach. Right. I drove to New Orleans, got to the Hyatt Regency, got to the, 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 the center there, which to me was a horror story. I never thought I could make it. That's how motivated I am. Good deal. Well, that, that's farther than I've driven in 20 years. Good for you, Gary, and I'm really glad to see you so motivated. And I'm glad to see this touch somebody, a foreigner especially, that would take the extra effort and go through a process you haven't gone through in all these years living here. So I applaud correct. you. I'm not a foreigner. Well, I mean, you're a Canadian. <laughs> by birth. I, I meant that. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as, as, as human. The interesting thing is my... Uh, certificate of naturalization um, shows you how fraudulent the system is. Yeah. Um, the uh, I've got it up here. Uh, it, it, the certificate is in the in the, um, the the border of it says the United States of America. It is signed. Um, you, it's U.S. citizenship. In other words, the, the, the certificate itself has the, the remnants of the Constitution, and it should be these United States of America, but that's irrelevant. But it's actually signed U.S. There. citizenship, which, which is corporate. Well, it's just like if you get the passport in the background on the paper, it has USA, 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 but yet on the writings, it's federal. Although it does say in the passport that they're only issued to citizens of the United States slash nationals. So it gives you both of the dialectic there, but it never differentiates it for you. Gary, one I, of I the things, I'd like, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of really a stall excuse me, a stalwart on here, because I've come to realize the importance of it, is that I want people to understand the information because that's where your freedom is, okay? And so, yeah, I've got, I've got some affidavits. I can send you some template stuff, and I've got your email address there, and uh, I don't mind doing that. Um, I think that it's so simple, and I kind of like for people to do it because of what they've learned. But I'd give you a couple of suggestions. There was a line that came out of yesterday's show, and I reposted the show finally this morning. I got it up, uh, this Internet situation. Um, and there was a line that came out of it yesterday, and I stopped the show. I don't remember if it, who, gave, who gave it to us, Daryl or somebody. And I said that should be the first sentence in every affidavit. If I was going to write one today, it would be the first sentence of mine. I don't remember what it was, but it's in that show yesterday. Okay. Um, the other things that I think are real important, Gary, that you could add in there, um, that w are really somewhat recent, thanks to Chris redirecting my attention towards it, and one of the best arrows in the quiver is that Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality that's on the State Department's website. You've heard us talking about that? Uh, probably, but uh, uh, the biggest problem I have now is is. This 
the procedure that I've gone through has been very difficult for me. I'm, uh, my temperament is rather the opposite of Daryl's. Okay. Um, uh, uh, so I, I am definitely not an in-your-face kind of person. Oh, no, you're not going to... Listen, I mean... You're, uh, you're, and, you're getting, and so in you order for me to get this ball rolling, I had, I had to make a real fuss with, with, uh, with my local congressman in his office um, and, uh, and, and enough that I, uh, that I actually went to the office, that was my first long drive, 53 miles, uh, to, to, to get there and, in, in essence, politely but forcefully confront the issue. Um, and I had to do that a while before I ever got the ball rolling, and, and that's temperamentally not like me. Um, yeah, let me ask, so, in, in your representative, is it Matt Gates? Is that the way you say his name? The pretty sharp rep there from the Florida Panhandle. I think it's from, the, uh, from your area. Is that who your office you went to? Yes, yeah, I, uh, but uh, you and I are going to disagree completely when it comes to your view of the dialectic and what's going, what's going on now. So far as I can see, and I was a Trump supporter, I make that completely clear, uh, uh, I, I think every single member of Congress, of, of the, the Senate and the House, and the president and the cabinet, I think they're all bought and paid for. And I think that the impeachment procedure that's going on now is, is, is a reality show to, uh, so we'll watch the wrong hand while, they got, while the, the proper hand is, is reaching in our pockets. I think the whole thing is, is a fraud. It's always that way. Yeah. There's a couple of honest congressmen up there, but not many. And even the ones Ooh. that... There, there's a guy from Virginia. Uh, there, there's a couple, not many. Rand Paul, I'd say, is one. His father, Ron Paul, certainly was one. Uh, and there's a couple up there, not many. All right, I agree with you. But uh, I, 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 the more I've looked into it, uh, when I, when I was before I got sick, uh, and and I saw how ill the U.S. was, I. I some financial investigation. I have no interest in finance. I'm, I'm not interested in things. I'm not interested in financing. So it's paid for for me, but I investigated it. And, and so I ended up uh, uh, finding out about Ron Paul and reading about the libertarians, the uh, Ludwig von Mises uh, Society and whatnot, and, and reading specifically Murray Rothbard. Right. Are you familiar with Murray Rothbard? I am. Okay. And, and uh, I thought at the time that his uh, disquisition on the Great Depression was superb and, and infinitely better than, than John Kenneth Galbraith, who was a good writer, a much better writer, but where it was really fraud. In retrospect, if, if you read some of the other stuff coming out of the libertarians, uh, uh, libertarians and Rothbard specifically, it, it is so ugly and pernicious. He, he's a guy who said that he thought it was a good idea for women to, to abort their babies and to sell their babies if they could make a profit because everything could be a market. So I'm inclined to think that even Ron Paul uh, uh, probably wasn't the real thing. He's a 33rd degree Mason, uh, still functioning. So I, I wouldn't trust any of them. I don't, um, I, I don't know about the Masonic connection you just mentioned. I've never heard that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's not 
not him. He, he, I'm pretty sure he's a 33rd degree Mason. Uh, I would tend to doubt that, but whatever. Yeah, anyways, uh, I don't want to talk too well, much. The bottom line want, is... Well, I want you to listen for a minute, because you're the one that yeah, wants absolutely. to move forward with an affidavit, right? Correct. Okay. Well, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples here that I think good things for you. If I was writing one today, it's what I'd put in there, okay? Instead yeah. of all those court sites and stuff, my original one's in the back of my book, Gary. You can just pull the back page off of that and put some of those on there. There's no need to put all the court sites and stuff in there. They don't make any difference. All they do is lengthen your document. What I've come to understand is you want to make it as short and concise as possible. And the only thing you're trying to tell them is I'm not one of those. Now, let me tell you, and I'll give you this disclaimer right out front. We've only had two other people that are naturalized go through this to my knowledge. And that's Virginia, Victoria, whichever her name was, and her husband out there in Texas about a year year ago. About a year ago is when all this was happening, a little more maybe. But, uh, so, but the 14th Amendment, I know how to read that thing, and it says all persons born or naturalized. So you're in there, all right? Now, you want to make it as short as possible for several reasons. One... If you want to take heed or use of the additional offensive measures that are at your disposal as you learn all this information and come to, into the reality, and I know that doesn't happen overnight, okay? Uh, but if you want to take the additional, have the additional advantage of being additionally offensive, you want to be able to file that document as the front edge of due notice. Due, due process. Due process underpins every body of law in the world, okay? And due process is notice and the right to be heard. That's not difficult to understand. And what you're doing you is... It, you're, I've got somebody at the door, so I'm going to have to get up for just a second. I okay. apologize. I'll have to okay. come back. All right. Well, just hang, set the phone aside, go to the door, yep. get your UPS delivery or your Amazon delivery, and come on back, and I'll pick up at due process where we were. Well, hell, he left. Okay. Well, I, there's no sense going into it for Gary if he's gone to the door. So, uh, Samuel and uh, Chris, you got anything to add here And while we double dribble yeah, for a minute? I'd like to say, I'd like to say something, I'd like to say something uh, uh, regarding Corey. I mean, I'm, a, I'm assuming he's, he's Cody. mid-30s, Cody. late for, Co- or, Cody. Or 40s. Uh, Cody's. Cody. Cody's, uh, I'd say he's probably in his 40s, early 40s maybe. Been married for yeah, 20 years. Yeah, that's what I sort of figured. I mean, I, I, in his defense, when I was that age, I had a lot of knowledge, Listen, but I, I wasn't practicing it. I, I, I was in escrow, and I was, I was listening, you know? I don't want, I, listen, I don't want, Cody isn't the only person that has this situation. My experience is most people <laughs> go through yeah. these difficulties. They just haven't had to deal with it, and they're not, you know, Cody, Cody's kind of a type A personality, okay? And so he's going to come to the front, and, and yet he's not, uh, you can't separate and f- the finesse between these two systems. And as I said, 
I, the conclusion I've come to is we haven't been able to break open the equivocation yet with him. He, I try, I try, I try, and he acknowledges what I'm saying, but he doesn't apply it. And he comes right back with the old same way of thinking of not being able to unequivocate. And that's one thing you must be able to do here is, is break that knot, untie the knot. A double-minded man's uncertain in all his ways, and that's what's happening with people that are unable to do that. I know it takes a little bit of work. The prize is worth it. It's your freedom. Yeah. I've already got mine. Exactly. I got mine years ago. I've been teaching people how to get theirs. And it ain't free. You're going to have like to do something to get it. There's something I'd like to do, Roger, uh, uh, on the show one day is uh, I'm uh, going to get a copy of the 14th Amendment and double space it. And I want to call in and I want to go through all the landmines with you. So I can make some crib notes. Yeah, well, I did that on a show the other day, about a week or so ago, and I did it. I'll tell you where, where you can get it, that I did a real good show on it just recently, Samuel. You, you might not have not heard us talking about it. I'm getting some interference. From, I'm getting some bad interference from somewhere I can't understand what's going on. Uh, that you, you, did you hear the Eli James show I did a couple Saturdays ago? Samuel? Yes. Oh, the uh, the Eli James show. No, yes. I... Okay, go to CastBox. Oh, on Saturday, no. Go to CastBox.fm, go to Radio Ranch in the search, and it I can tell you the exact date, because it was December the 7th. It was Saturday night, December the 7th, and LSU had just won the Southeastern Championship right before I went on the show. So I did that whole layout, basically that show right there. There's seven of them. Okay. okay. Uh, and that's, you know, listen, I, uh, uh, we hadn't heard from Patrick in Memphis or Ike in a while. Obviously, they got a lot of irons in the fire. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they Patrick wants to file an affidavit like Gary does. And so he said, will you, will you talk to Ike and get him schooled up on this? And I said, well, yeah, I will, but why don't you do it on the air so everybody, you and Gary and all these other people, can learn from it? That's what the program's for, okay? And so uh, that started me thinking as to how to get people up to speed and, and people like this situation, like Gary and like Patrick and Ike. When are when do you people ask me, when am I ready to file an affidavit? I haven't known what to tell them, you know? Basically, I didn't know how to give you a final exam. As a former teacher, I didn't know how to give you a, a final de exam to see whether you could file an affidavit, which signifies your diploma. But I think this fits that bill, and that's to be able to take that first clause of the 14th Amendment and break it down and go over every one of those, or I'm going to call Gary back because I can't merge him in here. Uh, so answer the phone when I call back, Gary. I'll get you right here. Um, so uh, that got me thinking about it, Samuel, and I think that's a really, really when good answer. Here, record real clear. Hey, Gary, is that okay? All right, I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to call Gary back. Um, uh, it was that on PP and on Castbox. Uh, Radio Ranch. Gary in the Panhandle. Oh, Radio Ranch. His answering machine. Now, Gary, when I call back, get it for the answering machine. Grabs it, please. Let's see if I can do this again. Thank you, Microsoft. You really have made our program so wonderfully smooth. 
I tell you what. Oh, geez. Roger. By the way, I downloaded Skype. Right. Yeah. Took me about thirty minutes. Rather wow. intrusive, but I did it because I wanted to help you out. And uh, numb nut that I am, uh, I have it all loaded down after all that effort, right? And then it says subscribe. So I hit no. subscribe, and it goes away, and I'm like, oop, that was unsubscribe. No, here, here's Skype. Here's Skype. <laughs> Skype is a peer-to-peer program that as long as you're computer-to-computer, and it has handshake both sides, can be used anywhere in the world to call anybody, and supposedly you're supposed to be able to get a bunch of people on that call. Um, and Gary's back with us, I think. And in his email, he was talking about YouTube and, you know, everything here. And this is part of this education and understanding everything's dialectic. Okay. Just because it's got an aspect that they can use for bad doesn't mean the whole thing's bad. The merchant law is a perfect example. Just because they can take these things called self-help remedies, lean, levy, garnishment, and Caesar, and come intimidate and terrify you with them doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means they're being used badly. They also have very adequate and appropriate and good uses, too. Our enemies take and use that dialectic, and it's very important for us to understand that. Guess why? Because we can use it against them. Equally as weaponized for us if we know how to use it. And this affidavit process is a perfect example. Gary, did you get was it deliver getting your Amazon delivery there, buddy? Well, I, I, I don't I don't use Amazon. Let me tell you, for the same reason I don't like Microsoft. Okay. In fact, it was a delivery from um, the House of Congress, certificate of special congressional recognition, presented to Gary. Well, I, I won't read the rest from from Getz. Um, which is a, a, a goodie to make me feel good about this. In other words, it's all BS. That's what it was. And I apologize because uh, I use the phone so little that I didn't mean to hang you up, but I, I, and I only use a landline, and I inadvertently canceled the speaker, which, of course, canceled the line, and so I apologize. Okay, it's that's my okay. ignorance. Apology accepted. Let's go back to where we were when you got rudely interrupted by Representative Gatz's delivery there, uh, which just sounds like he's giving you a little certificate saying, Wake, thanks for naturalizing, basically, right? What he's doing is, is giving me a, a, a ribbon for having shown up at the race. Uh-huh. Uh, I last. Well, don't forget what Napoleon said. You know, Gary said, I've learned a curious thing about men. They'll die for medals. At least it wasn't a SWAT team. <laughs> right, it wasn't. Just be lucky Roger Stone got served a little differently. <laughs> That's that's exactly right. Um, unfortunately, we're all being treated like we're children because we're we're getting awards for having done nothing. When of course Jesus Christ tells us, when we do something, we sh- we should deny the reward. We should do it. Uh, 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 the right hand ought not to know what the left hand is doing because the reward because the honor should go to God. We should be anonymous. Well, you're fixing to go over under his laws if you want to move forward. So let's go in that direction here towards the last of the show because this is important information. Like I said, this is the reason I do all this is this this little this little micro instant right here. Okay, and so if you want to totally do this and how well you want to do it and how complete's up to you. 
All right. But if you really, some people feel better if they take advantage of these other weapons that you've got at your disposal, you didn't know about called notice. And so once you've got that on file with the secretary of state, or you could do it before. And to answer your question earlier, you're right there in Escambia County. Uh, Okaloosa. Okaloosa, okay. I'd file it down at the property records office at Okaloosa County because you live there now. You're domiciled there. You don't have a residency there per se. Your residency will shift to heaven. But you've, you're domiciled there, and since you live there for, for a while and plan on being there, that's a place to do it. Um, and well, if you, I want to state, part of my note, in fact, is I was, uh, forgive my interruption, um, is, is uh, the argument that Darrell was putting forth is that he needs a, a few people who are firm enough in their conviction uh, to be able to work in his county oh, man. To, to get the county to separate. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm old, I'm dying, and if I can do a little bit to help, that's what I want to do. Well, that's a you know that's a conceptual idea, and, and it's got some very sound basis. We've got a few people up there. If you would, if you're thinking that strongly and you're that motivated to do that, that'd be great. Okay, but we, regardless, let's go over the whole concept yeah. here, and then you can figure out the particulars later. Wherever it is that you're living, it's if you wanted to take full advantage of it, you'd go in there and tell them you want to file it in the property records office. Now, hopefully, you're not in one of those counties, wherever it may be, that you have gotten a backlash from all of the other people that have muddied the water for us with their crap, like Tim Turner. Because some people go into there to do this, and they call the SWAT team on them, okay? And I've, I've had that happen with, with students in, in, over in Augusta, all right? And, uh, oh, are you one of those sovereign citizens? So now you got an FBI unit that deals with, no, I'm not one of those. Don't claim to be one of those, okay? Don't want to be one of those. I'm just a U.S. national, all right? But regardless, if, if that avenue's blocked, then you can do it another way if you're motivated enough to. You don't seem to have that. Pardon me? How would I determine if that was the case? Well, you'd have to go in there and ask them. So I'd like to file this document in the property records office. Like when I went in, mine was five pages long because I filed my original affidavit. And the lady said, are you sure you want to do this? Because it was $35, okay? And I said, yeah. And so she went ahead. I got it stamped by the clerk of the court that it's on file in the property records office. His stamp is on the copy that's in the back of my book, reprinted. All that's back there. And But if for some reason that you can't do that, you can always also file it in what they call the legal organ of Okaloosa County. It may be the newspaper. It more than likely is a separate publication that the lawyers use, and it's called the legal organ. And that's where due process is fulfilled because people can put notices of divorces, seizures, bankruptcies, foreclosures, etc. So you go, and that's, that's going to cost. One day Par pardon me? Is that the one you have to uh, post it for 61 days? Well, yeah, whatever the requirements are. Yeah. And, and so you're going to have to pay a little bit of money, but you post that. Nobody's ever going to come back and say anything about it because they can't because it's all factually based. But what you've done at that point is you fulfill, you told them. 
If they didn't read the legal organ or didn't go to the property records office and see it, well, you know what they say in the Russian Marines, right, Gary? I uh, know. Tufsky Shitsky. Because you did it, okay? You fulfilled your end. You put it in the public organ. Just like they stick a regulation in the front of the Federal Register every day up there in Washington. And if you want to spend your morning drinking coffee and reading proposed regulations, you can do it because that fulfills the front end of due process. Okay? So, I, I have to take I'm sorry. Go I was ahead. just I was going to say you don't have to do this, but some people feel better doing it and it is a, a, a way to weaponize your position. Okay? Really? But I was when you got uh, that delivery at the door there, I was going to get into that document that's on the second thing I'd put in there. I love that saying whatever it was. I should have written it down yesterday. Uh but that came out of the show yesterday was a perfect one on your affidavit. Number 2 I would put in there, I'd go over to travel.state.gov, that's the State Department's own that, website, yes. and put up there in the search, Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. And I would go and pull the first seven or eight words out of that third paragraph, and I'd put them as number two in my affidavit, and then I would attach, I'd print out that whole document and attach it by reference. But just pull that first sentence of the third paragraph out where it says, according to the INA, comma, all U.S. citizens are nationals. Their own document, their own words. And then I'd put dot, 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 and incorporated, attached and incorporated by reference, and I'd put it back there right behind page two on my affidavit. Uh, then there's a lot of things you could do in there. Uh, according to Brown versus Board of Education, we're all equal, uh, you know, the same way the blacks use it. Um, I'll go through and, and send you those affidavits. One of them, Glenn wrote them, Gary, and one of them is for, for naturalized citizens. I'll, I'll try and remember to do that this afternoon, okay? Yeah, and, and uh, this is obviously not a good time of year to have these discussions, so I, I'm apologetic well, for... Uh, yeah, any time of year is all right. So, any time of year is all right. I would, the other thing I'd put in there is I'm not related to to Negroes or black slaves given federal citizenship under the 14th Amendment. I received no civil rights. I'd go, if you got, you got my book, right, Gary? I do not. Well, you need my book, man. Uh, it's reprinted. I'll send you a copy, okay? And it's reprinted in the back, and what the, the original affidavit we filed, John wrote. And it's a masterpiece, but it's five pages long. It's got all these court sites from all, you know, slaughterhouse cases and Wong Kim Ark and Elk versus Wilkins. And they're great and they're poignant, but they don't need to be in there. Because one thing, if you're going to do any additional filing, you got to pay by the page. And there's just no reason for them to be there. You could send an affidavit in with that one sentence. I'm not related to black slaves given federal citizenship and civil rights after the Civil War, and you're out. Because you've made... 
Pardon me. Go ahead, please. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We got a little yeah. problem here with stepping on each other. We can't duplex. Go ahead and say what you got to say. You're, you're aware that, that the, the citizenship document, uh, uh, the procedure I'm, I've just gone through, has been changed about, um, I, I, I got it somewhere a month or two ago, and, and that the, 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 the procedures are being changed all of the time. So part of my concern, and, and I think you've expressed this before as well, is that the, because these people are shifty, uh, when they start to get pushback, they simply change administratively the statutes and regulations because the fourth branch, essentially we're being run by the fourth branch of government. Well, it doesn't matter if they change the regulations. When you file this document, they don't apply to you. And they've already given you the naturalization process and that moniker, right? Yeah. I, well, you're, you're, you're home I, free. The rest of the ball's in your court now. Okay, it doesn't matter what they do, it matters what you do. That's part of this empowerment yeah, I, process. I, but you've only had two people go through this. Correct. Nobody else. I've heard other people were going to, but nobody else did. But you, I told you the story about those two, right? I mean, I don't have regular you know, contact. I, I, See. <laughs> People go through this, and they go on with their lives, and their lives get complicated. Hell, I don't ever hear from them again. Well, that's, that's unfortunate because, obviously, well, to, the, is, to the extent we're trying to tell the truth, we ought to be proselytizing. Well, I try. Um, here's what happened to them. She spent, she contacted me, said, told me the situation. Hubby wanted to go through it. He was working. She was going to learn it all, explain it to him, and do the paperwork. She was a birthright citizen. He was naturalized. Okay? So I didn't – I said, well, uh, Virginia, I think it was Virginia or Victoria, and I just – I'm sorry, I can't remember which one. But anyway, she came yeah, and spent – she spent two hours with us on the air. I said, again, just like with Patrick and Ike, I said, listen, let's take this to the program. This is what the program's for. Everybody else can learn off your back, okay? And so we did that. She went and wrote them. She did the affidavits. She sent them in. And when they sent in their applications, they both not only got passports, they got passport cards, which is another $35. Yeah, Pardon me? Uh, I you don't. Um, I remember you saying that. Uh, um, uh, obviously, the, the the sample size is very small. Uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, Patrick. Patrick seems like a wonderful straight shooter. Sure uh, is. Another great guy. Yep. You don't know when he's going to be back because I'm wondering if I should proceed with this when when that show is on. Well, I, did, you know, I, I couldn't be highly motivated. He told me that he wanted to do it. I, I had a, 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 some kind of interaction with him a few days back, and he said, I, you know, we want to do that. Well, here's what I was getting to when you were away, is that I've come to that, because I'm still learning, man. I've been doing this almost 30 years, and I still learn. All right. That's why I know. And I tell you guys, this is a process. It's not a point you're going to get to. It's a process you're going to go through the rest of your lives. All right. But he was saying he wanted to come on again. And one of the things I've come to understand, I've been looking for, I guess, as a former teacher, like a final exam for people saying, well, Roger, when am I ready to file an affidavit? I understand what you're talking about. This, that, and the other. I'm still a little scared. When do I do it? And I think that this is a good 
metric here is this little plan of when you can take what Samuel was talking about, when you can take the 14th Amendment and recite the first clause and identify every legal landmine in there and understand what they did to, to use it against you and, how, and why you can get out of it. And when you can do that and do it pretty handily, I guess that's a good final exam. Jennifer, I just, um, you'll say of me uh, uh, that I'm a doubting Thomas, so ye of little faith. Uh, I, I think these people are so treacherous. When I think of what, what uh, you know, reading Solzhenitsyn, uh, how vicious, how evil these people are, yep. I don't think they'll stop at anything. Well, they can't do that in the U.S. because everybody's got guns and we know a lot more now. That's the reason they can't do it. That's why they've done it this way. That other way's bloody. It's obvious. They risk certain rev people standing up against them. In those instances, they didn't. Solzhenitsyn said, I wonder what if just one person would have resisted. They were like sheep. Okay? And our people won't be like that. They know it. That's why, that's why they're trying to get these guns, Gary. That's why they're so damn desperate to get the guns. Well, sort of. But I, uh, I, I agree with that, that part completely. I, I don't disagree with that at all. What I will say, though, uh, and, and my area of, of expertise is such that I think my judgment is good in this regard. Um, now that I've gotten out into the world for the last uh, three years, for the first time since 1996, I can tell you this population is, is not only, uh, has not only been invaded, but it is immensely sick physically and mentally ill they are poisoned you got no arguments so I don't, you'll get no arguments I, from I, these I, quarters we talk about it every day and it's the rare person like you that the information touches for however and, and, and that that gets motivated by it and starts asking questions and looking for answers and that's why i appreciate you I'm, so much okay because i think the population is so uh, mentally and physically damaged. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed, um, and I, I, I don't want to, to, uh, to sound demeaning, I'm, I, I don't want to sound derelict in this regard, but I'm impressed at how much less vibrant and intelligent people are than, than when I first came to this country back well it's the education <laughs> system it's the stuff in the food it's the crap in the vaccines it's the all of that combined they've done a wonderful job really absolutely you know? but what i'm saying that that implies that if if we're going to um i don't think they need to take the guns away anymore because i i think we're being run run by people uh, the, the the communities now have been completely disintegrated the, the women have become harpies. The men are, are, are effeminate and trannies. And, and I, I, I mean, it's, it's dark. So come out what of I her. don't want to... Come out of her, my I'm people. Sorry? Roger. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. You don't have to be in it. Uh, Roger. Yeah. I, I, Roger, I, I, that's comment. Okay, Samuel, real quick. We're running out of time. So let me, the reason I'm a little bit hurried. Let's get Samuel. Gary, we'll get you back on, man. And I appreciate you. No, no, I, yeah, call it in. Let me let me hear what Samuel's got to say, or Eric, we're going to get out of here. Samuel, Eric Madsen, the uh, the head of Team Law, there. He uh, he says this is like uh, 
wrestling. So you're out there as the individual. It's not like basketball or baseball. If we take this country back, it's going to have to be on an individual basis. Yep. And you're going to have to be part of that team. And you're not going to take but it back until what you got going on now implodes. We're not going to take it back. It's going to implode on itself, and people are going to rebuild it. Yeah. Whatever There's comes a, first, but individually is where it's at. It's a, this is an and individual a, battle, and that's the one thing. See, Cody, wanted. well, if we could all get together and get these governors elected and exercise states' rights, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's no political solution here. It's an individual solution, and the solution is to get your ass out of her. I don't know, I don't know how much more Amen. simply to put it, man, really. So a lot of us have done it. A lot of people are contemplating it. We try and teach you about it, grab your hand, walk you down the complex path to freedom, and we'll do more of it tomorrow with my sidekick, Brent Winters, who's exceptionally good at the spiritual side of this thing. And we'll have him back tomorrow, and I'll bet you all will be right there with us, and we'll sure welcome you. So thanks for spending time with us. Gary, I'm glad we got to you and got you in, and uh, we'll see what Sky throws at us tomorrow. How about that? <laughs> See what Bill Gates has got in his nasty bag of tricks between now and tomorrow. Baby. Probably get, trying to get more sign-ups. <laughs> I'll see you guys. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye.